And this was my dad's dream car, was to have a Volkswagen camper van. And so I had no idea at that point, like, what that was. And he's like, oh, it's Scooby-Doo. I'm just like, okay. And then had no idea. To be fair, none of us has any idea what we're getting ourselves into when we purchase a VW bus. And our guest in this episode, Carson, has quite a story to tell. Carson is a professional trombonist, and at this point in time, his father was an English teacher. As a former English teacher, I can say that it is the perfect career for learning how to do things on your own because, well, we don't pay teachers nearly enough. Kind of growing up with it, like, I, you know, that's when I started to fall in love with cars is because the bus needed things as old cars tend to do and so that was really before like people went to the internet for things and so we would do whatever this mechanic who wasn't like a specialist said and try to fix a lot of it you know ourselves and learn about it a little bit and mostly we just camped in it we did like two or three camping trips a year my dad i played a music festival when i was in college i was you know a student in this music festival and he drove it out to colorado springs and drove it up pikes peak and like it just He's like, I'm going to come visit you while you're in Colorado Springs for a month. Wow. And so it made it. He almost got launched off the road in Kansas with a tornado, but like he made it and it was fine. Um, and so I learned how to drive stick in that car. My dad started to have some health issues. And so he started playing, because we're all Canadian, he started playing hockey again in his 40s. And there was a spinal defect that was genetic that I think my brother also has as well, and I probably do, but I haven't had it checked out, where there would be discs and vertebrae that would just fail and disintegrate. And so he aggravated that playing hockey. Um, And this is kind of right after we got the bus, maybe a couple years after we got it. So I was just kind of starting high school. And it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And the one thing that was good for him to do was lay down. And so when he was teaching on his prep hour... He would go out into the parking lot, fold down the bench, and take a lie down in the van to take pressure off the spine. And then, you know, he would still go and play hockey because he wasn't sure what was going on yet. And so, like, he would, you know, play a couple periods and then come and lay down and then go back. And it was like pick up old man hockey. Um, And then he he had a back surgery that didn't quite take. And we're still not really clear on exactly what happened, but he ended up with chronic pain. And this was 2006, so I think I was like 16. And so I was, you know, on my school's varsity soccer team, which at that time we were ranked number one in the country, public and private. So like a very high-end soccer team for high school. I was playing trombone everywhere, being a musician and doing every kind of thing that I could possibly do. And so I wasn't really around. Like I would come home to sleep and maybe do my homework, maybe. And then I would go to school and do all these things. And so I wasn't as aware of what was going on. But at that time, big pharma was going to hospitals and saying, or doctors and directors of hospitals were going to hospitals and saying, too many people are committing suicide from chronic pain. You need to fix this. And so big pharma stepped in with this thing called fentanyl and oxycodone. And so he got kind of swept up in that and it got to be really bad pain clinic rehab a little bit. And then when I kind of came back after graduate school to the Twin Cities is when things started to kind of go off the rails a little bit. My dad sort of after this surgery, he he sort of his personality kind of changed and I couldn't tell 
like why that was. It could have been substances. It could have been that he had a brush with death and he had totally done this. But his attitude towards material possessions just kind of melted away. And so he didn't really take care of things anymore. Stuff was a little bit more disposable. And the bus kind of fell into a little bit of disrepair. And so because I knew a little bit about cars and that was kind of one of my escapes in doing super nutso music conservatories for my undergrad and my masters. Um, I knew a little bit to start kind of taking over and fixing some stuff. Um, and then there was one week kind of right before things really went off the rails in the family where I lived in the bus and taught at a music camp. So what happened is I got hired to teach at this music camp and it was trombone camp. So it was like 30 high school and middle school trombone players come to this camp, sleep overnight for a week. And we just play eight hours of trombone every day. So it's like, you know, the Super Bowl for trombone. It's great. Um, and I had just gotten my first university kind of adjunct job. And so I was like professor so-and-so instead of just random trombone idiot coming to teach at this camp. And so they hired me and I said, great, uh, where am I going to stay? And they're like, oh, well, we're going to put you in the dorms with the students. And I said, that is beyond unprofessional. Absolutely not. And the person who was kind of in charge went and called the admin person and gave him a piece of his mind. And so they're like, well, we don't have any other places. Like all the places we usually rent are full. And I said, great. I'm going to book a campsite at the municipal campground, which is walking distance. It's like in this tiny little town on a lake. So the campground is like you have a slot on the lake. So when you wake up, it feels like you're on a boat because all you can see is just water. And so I said, I'm going to book this campsite for a week and you're going to pay for it. And so me and another buddy of mine, a uh, trombone player, and he toured Broadway for a number of years as a kind of pit musician. We both lived in the van for six days at the Shell Lake Municipal Campground in Shell Lake, Wisconsin, um, and got up at like seven in the morning and made coffee and put on nice clothes that we ironed the day, the day before we left and stuck in the closet in the Westphalia, um, had a shower in the campground showers, and then went and taught kids for eight hours come back, cook dinner, have a bonfire, go to sleep in the van. And so that was probably the longest that I've lived in it, which is nothing compared to you guys, which is crazy. And I'm living vicariously through your adventures. Um, so that was kind of what happened. And then at that point, this was 2018 things with my dad and my mom and their relationship and the substance abuse really started to show. And my dad was somebody who, in his youth was an alcoholic and just absolutely. And it took him a while to realize that with some intervention from my mom when they were first married. And then he didn't touch a drop for 25 years. And then at this point with all of the other substances, then he started to reintroduce alcohol. Things got really bad. The police were involved. Carson's parents divorced and he became estranged from his father. Um, and so for kind of the four years after that, it sort of went through patterns of manipulation and toxic masculinity and all that stuff that really kind of came to light at that point. You know, it was really emblematic. And this story is not unique. Like a lot of people have been caught up in the fentanyl um, opioid crisis and been in all of these different facets of our culture. And the Volkswagen was a manipulation tactic. And so he would say, you know, come and meet me for coffee and I'll give you the bus. And I would say, no, stop manipulating me like that kind of thing. Um, and then 
one day he listed it for sale and we kind of had in the divorce decree between my parents that if it was going to be sold, the proceeds would go 50, 50 to me and my younger brother. Cause we both like grew up driving in it and camping it and loved it. And he pushed back on that pretty hard. And so it was like, okay, well do we get a lawyer or do we just let this go? And so at that point I had kind of decided like, I'm never going to see it again. That was a chapter in my life where like, I really loved this thing. This was a big part of who I was. This was the thing that we did as a family. It's done now. Time to move on. And then, you know, we sent a few emails saying, like, you need to do this. And he turned it right back and was trying to manipulate and saying, like, we have no legal right and doing these other things. And it it got pretty ugly for a while. And then one day he just relented and said, all right, I'm done. You can have it. And so I said, okay, um, if you want to, I wasn't speaking to him. So this was through my mom. Like if, if you want to give it to me, you're going to put it outside of my apartment building. You're going to put the keys in the glove box and you're going to put the title in the glove box with it signed. And then I will show up with a tow truck because I don't know what you've been doing to it for the last four years. And that's what happened. Carson picked up the bus, but it's hardly the end of the story. In fact, it's probably the beginning of another chapter of a story that is still being written. When I went into that vehicle for the first time and drove it a couple blocks before I just threw in the towel and got it towed, um, it was spooky. It was weird. It was creepy. And I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this because at the same time, I was feeling super happy because I'm like, this is a thing that I really like to do, like driving, you know, we're wrenching and whatever, that's fine. But like getting on the road and driving a bus is a special kind of thing that you don't know until you've experienced it. And so having that was a feeling of happiness and then feeling of sadness of the loss of this relationship and a loss of childhood feeling anger for all of these things that happened and frustration. And that's why it sat for a while when I got it, you know, I got it last fall, it sat over the winter and I kind of did a little bit of out of sight, out of mind. I didn't want to think about it because my thoughts were evolving. And I think now that I can kind of me and my brother at least can kind of, assume it and be able to start making entries into that story again. I don't want to have a non-functional relationship with my father. Like I want to have that, but it's at a point right now where I don't feel like that is possible. And I've sort of made peace with that. And I hope that that is not a permanent status in that. Um, And so I think this could have been him And what I'd like to think is that he was sort of seeing the bigger picture and saying, you know what, if there is going to be a road to forgiveness, maybe this is something to have. Or also, you know, legacy. Like, this is something that I could potentially have. And, you know, my fiance and and I are talking about having kids. And, like, I would like to take my kids camping in this because that was some of the most fun we had was, you know, going up in the North Shore, going out to, you know, Wisconsin, going out to these other places and camping in this van. So much of our future is also defined by our past, and the Volkswagen bus reminds us that these two things are related. We asked Carson what he saw as the future for him and his bus. The thing that my dad and I always talked about doing when I was a kid was we wanted to take the bus down to Key West and just do like the highway until the highway doesn't go no more. And so that's, I think, if I was going to retire and and be able to maybe me and my brother would go down and do that. That's kind of what I would want to do. Pick him up in Montreal, do the entire eastern seaboard until we went down and landed in Key West. So 
person, we hope that you make that journey and it brings you whatever closure you need. Thank you for sitting down and sharing your story with us. The road is long, folks, and even when it don't go no more, our stories continue on. So make your story a good one. As always, thanks to our sponsors, the Jan Machowski Foundation and Go Westie for being a part of our story. Until next time, everyone. 